On the way up here, I was listening to David Jeremiah preaching on the, the battle of Jehoshaphat and of how, uh, of how the, the, war, the war was won by the singers and the musicians and the worshipers. They didn't, they didn't go out and touch a spear against the enemies of Israel at that time. And as I was thinking about that and experiencing the worship time we had here this morning, you've got it in the right place. It's right up front, amen, here in the service where you are worshiping the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit minister to you and teach you where he wants you to go. How many know that revelation from God can happen during the worship service? Amen. As you open your heart to him. And so we encourage you in, in that regard. Well, I, uh, I shared this story with the first service and I can't cheat you out of it. Um, it's important that when we make a commitment to the Lord that we follow through on it. Amen. And, uh, but what about when we make a commitment to ourselves? <laughs> how many know, how many have made a commitment to yourself and didn't follow it through sometime in your life? Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to start, you know, January the 1st, and I'm going to be doing this for the next 12 months, and it lasted 12 days. <laughs> God didn't give, you, give up on you, you know? Uh, and so um, I, have, I have a bunch of uncles and aunts that uh, have a lot of humor among them. And uh, one of my uncles, when he was just a young boy, I don't know, maybe nine years old, he was shot in the hip with a high-powered rifle. And uh, they couldn't fix it because both the ball and the socket were gone. And for years and years and years, he walked, miraculously walked, on that leg with the femur bone just waving in the flesh with no attachment. It was unbelievable. Pain every day of his life. And he limped, you know, very profoundly. And, uh, and so one day he was visiting his cousin, Gordon Erickson, just west of Wetaskiwin, and said, Gordon, I, I can't play ball. I can't play hockey. And I just want to play ball. And uh, I've decided that I'm going to fast and pray until the Lord heals me. And I'm not gonna come out of the bush until I'm walking and running without pain. Well, my friend Gordon said, you're gonna go out in the bush, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna fast and pray. And I'm not gonna come back until then. So way the two boys said goodbye to each other. And, uh, and so my uncle Armand, he goes out there and he's, he's limping in the bush and he's gone for three hours. After three hours, he comes back to see his cousin Gordon standing there waiting for him. And his mouth was perfectly blue from eating Saskatoons. <laughs> he found a Saskatoon bush out there and he, and he had a picnic. <laughs> well, those two guys have laughed at that ever since. <laughs> but you know, that it, and sometimes we need to do that. I mean, we need to laugh at ourselves, right? There's sometimes to laugh, and it's not wrong to laugh at ourselves on some occasions. And um, so we want to talk about this wonderful, wonderful scripture reading from Luke 2, verse 21 to 52. Um, Pastor Greg, an awesome agenda that you're on uh, to be preaching and teaching on the book of Acts and the book of Luke for the next year. 
And I'm certainly, you're not going to run out of material. <laughs> you probably run out of days yet. But, uh, and so I have the privilege of sharing with you some thoughts from these scriptures that are included in that, in that calling. The mysteries of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection are phenomenal. There's nobody in history that has been able to do what he has done and then to call us to follow him and to serve him. The most miraculous birth in all of history. Can you imagine the chatter, the unbelief, and the laughter and the jokes that people made when they heard from Joseph that uh, his wife is, is um, you know, or his girlfriend is pregnant and going to have a child, and uh, God has spoken, and God is going to do it. Yeah, big story for somebody that misread Mary. She's not as good as you thought she was, right? And you know what? Uh, you should forget about her. She's no good. By the way, a bunch of our friends are already packing whole bags of stones to come and stone her. That's what they did to women back then. And, uh, and so the uh, challenge for Joseph now was going to be, what's he going to do? What is Joseph going to say? He is a man that is worthy of honor. A man who honored his betrothed wife. A lady who was the handmaiden of the Lord. God, the Holy Spirit, chose her to give birth to the Son of God. I can't imagine what kind of conversation went on in heaven in order for them to come to that conclusion. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and maybe a whole bunch of angels together with it. And so, so there was a lot of laughter, but it wasn't good laughter. It was making fun of her. Joseph's reflection of God's love and mercy is seen in the way that he protected Mary, how he decided in his own mind to plan for a quiet divorce, to put her away, but not to make mincemeat out of her, not to just cruelly dump her. He said, this woman is a godly woman, and we've got to give her godly, godly response here. And so he protected, he planned for a divorce, and he illustrated a new era for Jewish people, for all who would embrace the message of God. And that new embrace would be called grace. The grace of God is so utterly amazing. It forgives when others would stone. That is the only kind of God that could save humanity. Humanity has a way of fighting against itself. Humanity has a way of putting itself down. There's love and there's rejection that can happen in any home in any day. And I think I shared it with some of the people a couple of weeks ago when my wife and I were meeting and greeting some folks here of um, a time when I was a kid on the farm and um, I was misdemeaning in some area of my life. Dad got a hold of it and he and I were the only two out in the farm uh, milking cows. And uh, <clears throat> Dad 
comes up to me, puts his arm around me, and he says, Glenn, I hear you've been smoking cigarettes and hiding it behind your mom and dad, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I thought, oh my, I was about maybe 12, 13 years old. I said, oh my, my dad is gonna really kill me over this one. Instead, he put his arms around me and he prayed, Lord, help my son to not be dishonest, but that he will be truthful. And by the way, help him to stop smoking. <laughs> <laughs> That was more than a licking to me, you know? To have a dad that would pray for me instead of just bawl me out. It was an incredible story that has lasted to this day in my life. The cross and the empty tomb, but also the birth and Bethlehem have so much to tell us about the kind of God that we serve. The miracle of Jesus' birth was the indication of a new era, the transformation of spiritual life and understanding was gonna happen as a result of the birth of Christ through Mary. And uh, how do we treat miracles? Do you expect miracles? Do you look for miracles? Do you believe that God can do a miracle in your life in some particular area? I'm sure none of us have prayed to repeat what Mary did and what Joseph and Mary did. That was such a unique miracle, it was only good for one time. <laughs> and the rest of their life, the subsequent miracles that would take place would be other than that. But what an honor for Joseph and Mary. And Joseph found that out after a while. I think Mary was able to discover it sooner and uh, they were gonna be welcoming the redeemer of mankind to come to this earth, the founder of God's kingdom, to hear the amazing predictions on the birth of Christ and his description. There were several apostles in the Old Testament and prophets that were able to tell the story and share the miracle. Isaiah was one, Amos was one, Hosea, Micah, and Micah chapter five and verse two says this, it's a prophecy about the coming of Christ, 700 years before Bethlehem. And this is what it says, but you Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times, Bethlehem, was a small little village. It wasn't a big city or a big town, and it wasn't known particularly as a place that someone would want to go to. And even though you are small, a small little village, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler of Israel, whose origins are from of old. I kind of think of a little village in our town right now, in our community right now, that closed its doors because they felt that the time was up. And the people that were left of just a handful of people were tired, were worn out, and they said, just quit. So they, they closed the door down of the church and they put an advertisement out to sell it. And uh, along comes a man who is a working man uh, in Edmonton. He's a general superintendent of construction. And he saw the sign and he said, you know what? This church can't close this door down. 
There's, God's got more for this community. So you know what he does? He buys the church. And now they're putting together a new group of people that are going to start a new kind of church in the valley where this is located. I thought, isn't that an amazing story? God's speaking to somebody about the kingdom of God not being squelched or squenched <laughs> in this valley. What a blessing. Amen. And that's exactly what Bethlehem was going to experience. This little backwater town that's known for shepherds and sheep herders is now going to be the home place of the greatest miracle on planet Earth, the birthplace of Christ through Bethlehem and Mary, the mother. Then go fast backwards to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. He says this here, the prophet Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. This person, Jesus, was not political. He didn't join the political team, but he has become the government. <laughs> Amen. He's the ruler. He's the one who reigns. He is the king of the kingdom. Amen. So when you and I get frustrated and, and sometimes angry or upset about the politics of the day, remember the ultimate king is taking control. Amen. He's taking control in many ways in your life and mine. Everybody here that would, that would kneel at this altar and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You are now under the control of the master. You have voluntarily given your life to him. You are following the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who always sees the victory. He always sees the, 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 the kingdom that he is planting upon earth. And he is here for that reason. He is not going to be derailed. He's not going to be shuttling off some other way after he discovers the politics of the day. And I know that we and I, you and I, need to be in involved in politics in some way to at least go out and vote. But don't think for a moment that mankind and humanity has got the answers to all of the problems. That mankind has got the answers as to how to rule one another. Because people want to do that. They want to get into power, and when they do have power, they forget about the, the stewardship that we are called to do. And they become people that are wanting to rule other people. And, and where does that get us? But this government here is going to be a kingdom government. And the leader is going to be called Wonderful Counselor. He's going to be called Mighty God. He's going to be called Everlasting Father. He's going to be called the Prince of Peace. Now, how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit get that all wrapped up together, I'm not quite sure. I thank God for this church that's called the Father's House. What a great name. Amen. Representing the Father's heart. But here, Isaiah the prophet is saying that this child that is going to be born, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. Why? He is God. Amen. He became man, but he is God. He never lost his divinity. And then he said he will be called the Prince of Peace. And he will be called the Everlasting Father. Only when we get to heaven we'll be able to understand all of that. <laughs> Amen.
of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. His leadership will not be blown away, folks. He will reign on David's throne. He will rule over his kingdom. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Aren't you glad we have a zealous Lord? <laughs> Amen. The zeal of the Lord Almighty and made sure that he would not abandon the cross. He carried the cross until he could carry it no more. Somebody carried it for him. And when they nailed him to that cross, he hung on that cross. He died on that cross. He was buried at a tomb, not to lose the war, but to win the war. While Satan was, was dancing on his sepulcher, on the second day, the first day and the second day, dancing on his tombstone and saying, I won, I won, I won. Little did he know that he was in for the blast of his life. Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away. There was no body in the grave. The piano began to play and Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. That's the kind of king you and I serve. He is the king of the kingdom. He deserves kingship because of who he was to begin with, and then certainly because of what he's done at the cross and at the empty tomb. Lois and I have been to Israel twice, and to be at the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ is just the most holy moment you could imagine. To walk into that cemetery, the stone is gone, but there's the place where he lay. He is the miracle of God's grace. Jesus goes back and regroups his disciples and teaches them to continue to follow him for the rest of their life. And even Peter, who denied him three times, even Peter, who said, I'm going to go back fishing, forget about this Jesus. But Jesus goes to him and rehires him to his kingdom. Amen. You read it in the book. <laughs> Amen. Peter, the only question Jesus asked in rehiring him was, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Yeah. Do you really love me, Peter? Yeah, yeah. Do you really, really love me, Peter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three times. <laughs> Amen. Okay, Peter, you're on. You're my disciple, amen. And he's the one who listened to Jesus telling him before all this happened that you are Peter, but upon this cross, upon this, not cross, rock, <laughs> upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not resist, amen. Peter. Of all people, Jesus is going to work with him. He's going to train him. He's going to teach him. He's going to make a disciple out of him. And to this day, Peter is one of the greatest historians of our fellowship. Amen. The fellowship of Jesus Christ that we belong to. 
So when the time came for Jesus to be purified by the law of Moses, they took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Every firstborn male was to, to be presented to the Lord. And because they didn't, they didn't practice killing people as a sacrifice, they would kill animals. And so uh, Joseph and Mary were in a situation where they were to kill an animal and then a turtle dove and a pigeon. Why? Because they did not have enough money to buy an animal. They, they were only giving a, a pigeon and a turtle dove at the temple. But Jesus was able to make them the most exciting people <laughs> in the town of Jerusalem that day without knowing for sure what the future was that God had for them. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Barnes, the great man of God, his notes said, those who were able on such an occasion were required to offer a lamb for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dive for a sin offering. If not able to bring a lamb, then they were permitted to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. God can use you even if you're broke. <laughs> Amen? It isn't all about us being tremendously prosperous and therefore we have bought our way into the kingdom. The kingdom of God and the family of God is for those with one solitary phrase and that is obedience to follow Christ. Lord, I will follow you for the rest of my life. I encourage you to read this chapter too and read more about the three references of the Holy Spirit through Simeon, the man of God, Anna, the holy woman prophet of God. She never left the temple, but worshiped him night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And then we come here to the end of our short talk today. We got there's so much more we could read about this. But Jesus and the temple, very interesting. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Okay, so on the map, way down here is Bethlehem and Jerusalem, and way up here is Nazareth of Galilee. Nazareth was the backwater town. It was the, the low, below the low kind of group of people lived there. And, um, and Jerusalem, of course, is the, is the great capital. And so they went all the way back to Nazareth. And the Bible says the child Jesus grew and became strong. He didn't just become changed suits, you know. He became one of us. He, only, he also learned how to follow wisdom. And the Bible says the grace of God was on him. And he experienced what they call bar mitzvah, where the Jewish lad would become a, an adult by 12 years of age. Jesus was taken by Joseph and Mary to all of the ritual of the Jewish religion. But it would be changed forever by virtue of that one who had his bar mitzvah in the temple.
of God. And so after three days, pardon me, going back home, they lost him. Uh, Jesus stayed behind at the temple. Joseph and Mary were with all the crowd going back to Jerusalem, back to Nazareth. They find out that Jesus is not in the crowd. They go looking for him. They can't find him, so they turn around and they go back. The crowd keeps going, but Joseph and Mary go back looking for him. Three days they spent looking for Jesus. <laughs> and uh, when they did find him, Mary was upset. She said, Jesus, what did you do to us, you know? And Jesus responded to them, look what you did to me. <laughs> I don't think he said it in those words. But what he did say, I am in my father's house. I have come to be in my father's house. This is not the house of the Pharisees. This is intended to be the house of the heavenly father. And, uh, and Jesus, again, the Bible says, grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So characteristics of the developments of Jesus. Do a study on that sometime. It will just bless your soul. This Jesus, the eternal son of God, grew in stature. He took on humanity so much that he was actually a baby at one time in a barn. He is now a young man, but growing in stature. He's becoming one of us in such an incredible way that he's even doing things we would not expect him to do. Why would he need to grow in stature? We would say to ourselves, why would, why would he need to grow in strength? But the Bible says he did. Wisdom, grace of God, favor with God and man. He said to them, I belong in my father's house. I am part of the Trinity, but I'm now also the son of the father. Didn't you know the Father's house? He says to Mary and Joseph. And sometimes people get confused regarding the Father. The temple of God, where sacrifices are made and where worship begins. That's the place of it. You and I are here today because we believe in worship. We believe that God is worthy of our worship and our expressions of praise. And closing here in Luke chapter 4, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue. Now, this is not the temple in Jerusalem. This is the synagogue, which are small temples in their communities, on, on, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. This is what he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Jesus, the Son of God, is anointed by the Spirit of the Lord, and that same anointing he wants to give you and me. He wants you to know that you are an anointed follower of Christ, and that you are called to be his servant, and you are part of the greatest kingdom upon planet Earth. There's nothing more important, more powerful, more wonderful than belonging to Christ as his disciple, and as one who is anointed by him. Amen. John 15, you did not choose God, but he chose you. And he anointed you that you might be made fruitful. Amen. You were chosen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Amen. You weren't left on a mountain all by yourself. You were chosen. You were anointed. Why? To proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. The reason that you were born and chosen is the same reason that Christ was chosen. While Christ was anointed, so are you. While Christ came to proclaim the good news, so are you here for that reason. He came to proclaim freedom for prisoners, so are you. Recovery of sight for the blind, so are you. Hallelujah! We are in, folks. We are in. We belong. We're forgiven. We're bought. We have been purchased as God's son, God's daughter, for the rest of eternity. Amen.